Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. We have been going through the Bible, as I mentioned, and we have been going through Romans in in some kind of detail. I'm not going to explain why we've slowed down so much and gone through in such detail. I have explained it many times. You can go back and check the CD. We will do a recap of Romans on the last message, which might be the next message. It won't be next week because Childs will be here. And then the, the following week, we do have the VBS set up after church, but that's the week I might be able to finish up Romans. But we'll do kind of a quick review of Romans and wrap it up. But you know, of course, the... the uh, The doctrinal part was the first 11 chapters. Then he begins in chapter 12 to explain the outworking of that. Since these things are true, since the Jews and the Gentiles need Jesus in the exact same way, the Jews aren't privileged to come to him through some sort of uh, special high-speed entrance, and the Gentiles don't have to jump through any extra hoops. They can come straight to Jesus without passing through the law, since we all need Jesus the same. Let's respect one another. Let's thank God for Jesus, for this finished work. And, let's, uh, and then let's now concentrate, since Jesus has paid the exact same price for the Jew and the Gentile, let's concentrate on living this out in preference to one another and in service to the world around us. And, they, and then, of course, he begins in chapter 12 talking about the different gifts and everything that's present. We spent last week looking in chapter 14 about the concept of Christian liberty. Liberty. There are, there are only a couple more points to make in Romans. So he begins to wrap this up, but, I, but it, it's important to remember. I don't, I'm not going to do a quick a whole review of, of the, the last thing we, things we talked about, but when he's talking about liberty, it's super important to remember that he, the, some of the things he wasn't talking about. Specifically, what he was really addressing was this tension that exists between believers coming from different backgrounds. And the most obvious difference was people coming from a Jewish background in the law and those coming from a Gentile background without the law. But... He was specifically addressing dietary restrictions and the observance of feasts and fasts and other holy days. Aspects of the law like that. It's important to recognize that this dispute or this discussion was happening that early in the church. Because these things still get talked about, don't they? Which parts of the law are we still under? People people say today, look, if you're going to condemn any behavior anything on the basis of Old Testament law, then uh, if you're going to require anything on the basis of Old Testament law, then you have to apply all of it. Uh, and of course, where this is, was really comes to the forefront is if you're going to uphold the Old Testament position on sexuality, well, then we must also forbid shellfish or uh, blended fabrics and things like that. Now, there are ways to answer that, uh, uh, detailed ways of answering that. And uh, we will get into those in future letters. But what it really boils down to, if you're going to give a detailed answer to the challenge like that, is does this principle have any affirmation or confirmation in the New Testament? Okay, is there something we can find, a parallel scripture, or something that echoes, or something that flat out specifically says, yes, just because we are not under the law doesn't mean it's okay to do this now. I mean, nobody would argue that since we're not under the law, murder is okay. So we know that there are some things that we've been freed from, and some things that we haven't been. So we have to look again, what is Paul talking about? Look at this. In verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, receive one... 
This is Romans 14.1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. It's important to see that he uses that term, doubtful things. And look at this. Fast forward to verse 14. After he talks about what he talks about. Some people think they can only eat vegetables. Some people think it's okay to eat everything. Let each one be convinced in his own mind. If you have the liberty to eat uh, meat, don't try to condemn the brother who's weaker that, that he should eat meat. And if you feel like you can only eat vegetables, don't condemn the brother uh, who's eating meat because you're eating or not eating before God. Verse 14 says this, and I know, or sorry, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, if you take that verse out of context, all things, nothing, is he saying that there's nothing wrong with anything? Of course not. It's in the context of dietary, uh, dietary restrictions and holidays. You can't take this verse and apply it to everything, okay? In these things, doubtful things, small things, respect one another. Respect one another's convictions and don't let your liberty become a stumbling block for somebody else. And if you don't have the liberty, don't use your lack of liberty to condemn the brother or sister who does. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. We, we got into a little more detail last week. Now, I want to read again the first seven uh, verses of chapter 15, which really wrap up this thought. This is, uh, I, I remind you that this wasn't written in chapters. It's just divided up into chapters, sometimes very, very randomly. Sometimes you're in the middle of a sentence and a new chapter starts. But they divided it up years and years later so that we could find our way around it better. But the thought is actually continuing in chapter 15 when he says, We then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification or the building up of our neighbor. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I want to read you that passage out of the message. Uh, a lot of times I'll look at something in the message and I might weave some thoughts in, but uh, he nails it. I think Peterson nails it here. Uh, so closely that I think it's worth just reading his, uh, his version of this. Romans 15, beginning in verse 1 from the message. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just to do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the world, is the way, he, the way Scripture puts it. Even if it was written, scripture, written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. 
then will be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. Isn't that good? Jesus set the example for exactly what Paul's talking about. He spends this whole chapter 14 saying, don't stand on your own privileges, don't stand on your own rights. You have them, but you don't need to flaunt your liberty before somebody else. And then says, hey, you know who did that? Jesus did that. Jesus had all these rights, and he didn't just come in doing what he wanted. He put his desires and, uh, behind and, and sought the good of others. That was his whole mission. Now, in, in verse 8, says this, let me, let me read through the next five or six verses here, and that's, all, that's as far as we'll get today. Now, I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, and then he quotes several Old Testament scriptures. For this reason, I will confess to you, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To sum that passage up, I would just say this, that Jesus ministered to the Jews. When it says he was, uh, uh, has become a servant to the circumcision, it means that when he came, his ministry was exclusively to the Jews. He, he ministered to uh, a handful of Gentiles individually, but where his travels took him was all around. He said, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He ministered to the Jews, but he did it in such a way that caused the Jewish experience with Jesus to be an attraction to the Gentile world. He ministered to the Jews in such a way that the Gentiles were attracted to Jesus. They reached out to Jesus because of how he ministered to the Jews. I don't know how many, I, I, I wish I could say that in some more explosive way, way because here's what I want you to see. If Old Testament Israel had done what they were supposed to do, it would have had a similar effect. If they had allowed God to minister to them and responded appropriately to the ministry of God, it would have attracted the Gentile nations around them. This was what their mission was really supposed to be. This is what God had in mind for them. I'm going to set you in the midst of these uh, godless nations, these heathen nations, and you're going to be a light in their midst. They're going to see, they've all got their own gods, but let me tell you something. The gods they're worshiping are rocks and trees and things that have absolutely no power. I'm going to show them. I'm going to set you in their midst so they can see what it's like when a nation is serving the real God. There's only one, and it's me. And there's going to be a difference about you. Well, they never quite got it. But, as we've been reading in Romans, the reason they never quite got it was because their problem was deeper than their behavior. What was their problem all along? They had a sin nature. They had a nature that they were born with, because they were born of Adam like everybody, that meant they had an irresistible, uh, a fatal propensity towards sin. It's a defect that every single one of us is born with. The teachings of Christ, listen to this, in the, it, it, since the 
sin nature hadn't been dealt with, Old Testament Israel could not be the witness that the world needed. It is the person and the work of Jesus Christ that makes all of this possible and effective. The teachings of Christ are good. The teachings of Christ are perfect, but without the new birth, they are impossible to implement. This is something I think I started to talk about this last week, and it's something that just continues to stir. might be something I'll, I'll look at in maybe even a series form on Wednesday night, more of a current events type thing. But people talk a lot. I'm seeing them more and more. And I'm not against, listen, I'm not against people encouraging people to following the teachings of Christ. His teachings are good and perfect. All right? But even Jesus was teaching these principles to people who were unable to implement them as they should have been implemented until he went to the cross. Until Christ went to the cross, the new life, the new birth wasn't available to us. You see, when he offers new life, when he offers salvation, he doesn't just show up and say, I'm offering you a new way to live. Here's a new uh, set of principles that you are to live by. Well, why should we? Because I'm Jesus and I'm perfect and I'm good. We agree, you're Jesus, you're perfect and you're good. So let's try doing it your way, Jesus. And what's going to happen? People try it today. And we eventually, usually sooner rather than later, we fail him. Why? Because we've got a sin nature too. So what did Jesus really come for? What did he say? What does the whole Bible say? I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. If I be lifted up from the earth, and it says right there in that passage, he was talking about the manner in which he would die. Meaning, if I'm lifted up on that cross, I will draw all men unto me. His mission was to die to pay our penalty to pay the sin debt that we have. But his mission was also to rise from the dead and offer us that same resurrection life. He rises to new life, offers new life to us. And he says, that's the only way. I want you to do these things. In fact, I'm commanding you to do these things. Bad news is, right now, in your unregenerate state, you can't. I've got a solution for that too. I'm going to give you a new life. But you've got to give me your old one. I promise you, the one he offers is better. But what I started to say, before I got off track here, is what, again, what we're hearing, you're probably going to hear me reference this more, uh, several times in the coming weeks or months, uh, unless God just delivers me from it, is this, we used to talk a lot about conversion without discipleship. The whole evangelical message was, let's just get somebody to say the sinner's prayer, let's get them saved, and whew, there we're done. We can, there's a jewel in our crown, we can make one more tick mark on our list. But what did Jesus say? Go and make disciples, right? So we've got, to have, we've got to have discipleship. But now what I'm seeing more and more, churches, pastors, leading, uh, leaders, who really seem to be advocating discipleship without conversion. We just want you to follow the way of Jesus. And if Jesus was still in the grave, he'd be spinning there. Because Jesus himself made it clear, you can't do this without the new life. You've got to be cleansed from the Word of God, from the inside out. But that's what he offers. So we think, all right, so I need a new life. What's that going to cost me? You know the answer, right? Nothing. It's a gift. You have to receive it. I guess in one sense it costs you something. There's going to be a cost for discipleship. No question about it. The new life is given to you free. You say, but you just said I had to give him my life. Guess what? According to Scripture, you're already dead. So you're trading your old dead life. You're training the old dead man. 
for new life. It's a bargain, folks. <laughs> it's a much better, it's the life you were meant to live and cannot live without the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand up with me. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.